picking up in well, a bit of a historical account that's relayed here regarding David and those mighty men that were among his armies and among his military service. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 15 speaks of one of the stories regarding three of those ones. Now three of the thirty chief men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam and the army of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O my God, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy? For at the risk of their lives they brought it. Therefore he would not drink it. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to bless our thoughts this morning. Heavenly Father, we do bring our considerations, Father, our thoughts and our Well, our hopes, our ambitions, Father, our purposes and our intentions this morning and every morning, but specifically right now, Lord, we bring our desires to you. Whatever our deep heart longings, as the song would say, Father, whatever those things are, we bring them to you this morning to do with, even in this moment, what you would do with them. Father, take our minds, take our hearts, our lives, Father, and direct them even moment by moment, Lord in the path that you would have them to be, and help us to yield and submit ourselves to you. Father, take our longings and make them centered and focused on you and your son Jesus. Bless this word to us, I ask, Father. Guide our thoughts, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's that time of year again, you know, we're in the holiday season, that time where when I was 10, I would have had the Sears Wish Book, I think it was called, Most people of a certain age don't even know what Sears is. I'm not sure they even exist anymore. But we used to get a catalog about this thick, and it said Wish Book on the front, and it had some representation of Santa Claus and, you know, some goofy wide-eyed kids, you know, they're swooning over all the toys that Santa was bringing or, you know, whatever the theme was for that year. But then you just open it up, and it's just... Toy after toy after toy after toy after toy. And you'd sit down with your little marker and you'd circle all the biggest and brightest and all the most expensive, you know, and then just kind of slide it towards mom and dad's, you know, room or wherever they would sit and know that they were going to look in it and see what it was you'd circled and said, well, that's what I have to get. You know, it never happened. That wasn't what, that wasn't typically how it worked. And I was, well, typically I was pretty satisfied with what I got, uh, despite what I might have asked for, my mom and dad were good at getting me gifts, but you know how it works. All that wish book was, was, you know, Sears wanting to get into your bank account. And so they would want those kids to sit down with their respective Sharpies and have mom and dad open up their checkbooks, as it were. Uh, Advertisements tell you, uh, you need this. Advertisements will tell you you can't live without this. Advertisements will tell you this product is life-changing to you. And it doesn't have to necessarily be geared towards children either. Because we all have a child within us that says, I like bright, shiny toys. I like this, I like that, and I like something new. Ah, We can dwell on these things. And we can long for these things. And advertisers will oftentimes 
find what it is that we like or what we tend toward. And they will try to convince us that we can't live without those things. Uh, That's okay, you know. It's okay. When the Lord gives us the liberty, the means and the capability, and we have the right mindset, it's okay to like stuff and to have stuff and to get stuff. But the problem is when we allow ourselves to be convinced. Be convinced that we do need something. Uh, and we go out and we make that thing ours. And, and we have wrapped our longing around this object or whatever the case might be. And we do so in an unhealthy way. And you know how it is. And oftentimes you get that horrible feeling that we call buyer's remorse afterward. And you get home and you're like, I really didn't need this. You know, this really isn't so life-changing. Or if it is indeed life-changing, it's in a bad way. Because, you know, now I'm in debt <laughs> X amount of dollars. And it's changed my life to the negative. We don't like that. <laughs> when we figure out, you know, maybe I could have lived without this. Maybe I could have lived without this product that I wanted so bad. Uh, that being said, we're not talking about products necessarily this morning. We're not talking about longing for stuff and things, although that can be part of it, I suppose. David's situation here uh, it kind of sets the stage for us to consider uh, the thought that I have for you this morning. He'd longed for something that he had before. Long for something that he'd had in the past. Uh, it's plain by how he presents himself here. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing that he was longing for, that he said, you know, oh, what I would give. What I'd give for a drink of water from that well, uh, from Bethlehem. It was a natural thing. A natural thing, sure. And, and you can see and you can read in those words that he said there that there was a bit of wistfulness there, right? You ever have that pleasant wistfulness as you kind of walk down memory lane and think, ah, Man, I remember that street in Joplin, you know, Pearl Street, when I would walk up and down, that, the sidewalks were all buckled and all that sort of stuff, but when the sun would set just so over here and I had my slingshot and I was launching it across the parking lot, I mean, I remember those days kind of wistfully, you know, kind of, sometimes you can long, long for the halcyon days of old, you know, back when you used to not have a whole lot of cares and that sort of thing. And I wonder, you know, was that partially what David was wistfully thinking about here when he considered that well. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. Uh, You know, when your circumstances are difficult in the present, it can sure make things from the past look very, very attractive to you. And so, we're going to consider this morning those things that we can look back upon, kind of wistfully looking back on what were once ours, what was something that we used to enjoy or some place we used to be or whatever the case might be. With varying measures of regret, perhaps. But that be that as it may, we'll get there in a moment. We're going to consider what it is to long for once, what we once had. We're going to look at three different types of scenarios. One where it's not a bad place. It's not, it's not bad to consider in a certain measure. Two, not so much. And then we're going to consider what the Lord would have us do with that longing. So, that being said, looking at our first verse there, Well, not the first one of the passage, but verse 17, the first one that we will consider, where he says, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. We can long for something from our past that is not always a bad thing. Um, Just passing of time can bring us separation from something that we used to enjoy 
to no deficit of our own, to no problem of our own, to no impact or spiritual damage to us. Just the passage of time can make us no longer partake in something. David was long removed from Bethlehem. You know, uh, back in his shepherd days, before Goliath, before being anointed as the king to be, before Saul chased him all over the place as he was running from the one who was sitting in the throne that he would take later on, before he was crowned, before he was worrying about uniting a divided nation for seven and a half years, he was trying to bring Israel and Judah. Before all of that time, evidently he had some fond memories of this well in Bethlehem. Do you have those? Do you have fond memories from your past? Like I said, I do. I remember, well, we lived in a whole bunch of different places, and I have fond memories from each one of those places when I was younger. I think David had a measure of thinking of the good old days in that time. And as I mentioned a moment ago, sometimes the weariness of the present, sometimes the pressures of the present, sometimes the difficulties of the present can make us look back with a little bit more fondness of the things that have gone by. Uh, Well, because they didn't have those pressures present. We remember when things were simpler. We remember when we had that. Man, you remember when we... Man, that that first house of ours, it was just so perfect for us. And you forget that it was drafty. You forget that you, you you had old stuff that you had to fix all the time. You forget all of those things. Whether it's your house, whether it's stuff, whether it was a place, whether it was a relationship, whether it was whatever the case might be, We need to remember what matters. And David did remember what matters. In Psalm 37 and verse 23, David writes this. He says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And now the way that the Lord takes us, the steps of a righteous man, one who follows the Lord and and lets him lead his way, those steps can take you a lot of different places. David went a lot of different places as he had a heart for the Lord. He went a lot of different places that I can assure you he would not have chosen to go for himself. He did a lot of different things that I believe he probably would not have chosen for himself. And so have you. You've done these things if you followed after the Lord. The Lord has led you in a number of different places that your flesh certainly would not want you to be in or do. But you remember what happens. He delights in his way. Uh, where it says he here in the New King James, it's capitalized there. The Lord delights in his way. But if we are indeed a good man, a good woman, we should delight in that way. That should speak to us. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and we delight in that way that he has for us. David might have longed for that well there in Bethlehem. He might have longed for uh, times and circumstances with much fewer responsibilities. But he also knew who it was who brought him to where he was in that time, in that moment when he was, well, considering wistfully of that time in the well. And he held those older days in the proper perspective. It suits us and it serves us well to remember things with the perspective that the Lord has for us. And so uh, we can long wistfully think of the things back in the past Grateful for those things and think, man, I'd like to just kind of sample that well just one more time. We need not dwell on those things, but there's no harm in that when those things haven't separated us from the Lord and he's allowed us to bring, well, bring those memories with us in a good way. Now, unfortunately, I told you there were two other scenarios that aren't, well, aren't quite as pleasant, not quite as good. God's people don't always have that perspective that we're called to have. Uh, our longings can show us that our 
perspective has been wrong. One of those problematic times is when we realize we're in the wrong place spiritually. And we find that our longings are actually right because we long for what we did have. We long for time of fellowship that we did have with the Lord. We long for times of joy that we did have in the Lord. And what does that mean? It means that our joy has been impacted. Our fellowship with Him has been impacted. It means that our situation has been impacted because we've made poor decisions perhaps. Done things that have brought us outside of that fellowship. We can turn to Luke chapter 15. You probably might be thinking about Luke chapter 15 and the account that's present there as a good example of one who makes bad decisions, going directions that God would not have us to go, whether that's geographical, whether it's emotional decisions that we've made or emotional places that we've allowed ourselves to go, relationship positions that we've allowed ourselves to go, doctrinal issues that we've allowed ourselves to take. We can choose unwisely. We can choose ungodly and not keep the right perspective of things. Scott just wrapped up talking about Jonah. Jonah didn't have his perspective right oftentimes. Made it quite plain in the early parts of that and even at the end of of Jonah. Abraham and Sarah, they made errors, made bad decisions because they didn't keep things in perspective and they longed for, well, longed for things that to be done in the manner and the time frame that was not God's. Adam and Eve, Samson, I could go on and on, but I won't go there. We regret our poor decisions. And so we see this example in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. Clear example of someone who regretted what they left behind. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Uh, Let me have my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you kick off. I don't have time for that. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. That's not a pleasant job. Let me just, let me just tell you, <laughs> that's not a pleasant job. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. This younger man got what he wanted, and then he realized that... Well, he changed his mind on what it was that he wanted. I'll speak to you young people just for a moment and just tell you that perhaps you don't hear the term, go sow your wild oats these days. I don't know what the term is now, or maybe it's just a concept that's just ingrained in you in a number of other ways. But we were always told when we were kids, not by those people that cared about us, but you need to sow your wild oats. You need to go out there and you need to go sample some things. You need to go find out who you are before you determine to go this way or that way or, or, or your adult take your adult path. Sowing one's wild oats meant that you got a little bit wild. You got a little, you got a little crazy and you just got out the, the young things before you settled down into maturity. I want to encourage you young people, don't sow wild oats. Don't do it. Uh, I'm not going to ask any of these older folks to raise their hand, but if I said, hey, older folks, those of you who sowed your wild oats and regret it, would you raise your hand? There would be hands. There would be hands up. And I guarantee that if I said, older folks who sold your, sowed, not sold your wild oats, no one sells oats around here, those of you who sowed your wild oats, how many of you are just super grateful that you did? I think that there would be much fewer a much fewer number of hands that went up. The Lord can work despite those things. He can even work through those things, but He doesn't want to. 
That wouldn't be his desire to have you go in a bad way so that he can bring you a place that he could have brought you without having gone that, that way. Young folks, don't sow your wild oats. The Lord gives you so many better things to sow. So many good things to sow. And you don't want to have the regrets that will surely come at some point. Uh, this one here is certainly regretted based on natural circumstances. He found himself wallowing in pig slop. Found himself feeding these swine that, you know, Brother David's told a story for, for a long, long time about Brother Doug Delhay telling him, don't touch that pig because you'll never get that smell off of you. I've patted pigs before, and it's absolutely true. Uh, you get it under your fingernails, forget about it, man. I mean, it's, it's gross because they wallow in foulness. Uh, it would have been a bad situation, and he would have regretted his natural circumstances. The Lord makes it very, very simple if we want to heed. He makes it very simple for us to regret our spiritual circumstances, our spiritual poor choices. The new creation does that. You can turn to Revelation chapter 3. Scott mentioned this earlier this morning, as a matter of fact, he cited this verse. But we understand that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Jesus said that. There's a measure of conviction that the Lord wants for His people to feel when they need to feel it. The Holy Spirit speaks to our new creation. You have a new man in you. You have a new creation in you if you've accepted the Lord Jesus. You are one of His children. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, is present and shining within there. We might hide it under the bushel, as Jesus and the song both say. We might hide it underneath there. But you know what happens when, when a light is capped? Well, when it's the light of Jesus, it still shines. It's still present there. You can't put it out. You can hide it, but it's still there and it's still present and it's still burning. You can callous yourself to the sting of sin, but that light is still there and it's still present. And the Holy Spirit communes with that new creation. It's awfully uncomfortable to the flesh at times. The Lord rebukes and chastens whom He loves, we read. Does that include the child of God? Those that He loves? Absolutely. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, it says in Revelation 3.19. And so this conviction and this persistence on the part of the Lord to poke and prod and say, hey, hey, you're out of line, you're out of line, you're in a bad place, you're in the slop, you're feeding swine, I have so much better for you. Well, that conviction is there and it's there for a purpose for the ones who are spiritually prodigal, living outside of the things that God has. It's intended to. He's intending to needle at times. He's intending to prod and to poke. He's intending to convict. He wants you, when you are outside of His will and outside of His path, He wants you to long for the things that once were. He wants you to long for the goodness that you once had. He wants you to long for the purity that we once enjoyed. He wants us to long for the fellowship that we have with Him when things are right and things are good. And so he went on in Revelation 3 to tell this church, therefore be zealous and repent. Repent. That's not just a churchy word. That's not just something where it's just someone standing there with a sandwich board on them saying, repent, the end of the days are coming. That's not, it's not just simple foolish word. It means repent. It means to regret and do something with that regret. It means to have remorse and do something with that remorse. Bring it back to Him and say, man, I, I am in a wrong way. And I find myself longing for the peace that I had in Jesus. 
for the love that I had from Jesus, for the joy that I had. As young people saying, joy, 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 joy. We saw it repeated all over the place. How great our joy, great our joy. It was repeated, not obnoxiously, but emphatically. So that we might recognize joy, joy, joy. That's something that is available to us. And when we put that away and we go and find simple happiness in the world, simple satisfaction for a time, simple even a measure of contentment maybe in the world, it's always temporal. And we always find ourselves in the new creation pining, longing for what once was there. And so it was with Luke chapter 15. We see that, well, God wants good choices to be made. He wants to lean on us to long for the things that once were and to make those good choices, even if they're late, even if those choices come late. Luke chapter 15, back we go in verse 17. And I like the way that it puts it here. It says, but when he came to himself, when he realized, he thought, man, what have I been thinking Where has my mind been in this? I've gotten just a little bit silly. That's kind of a silly word to to use, but, but there it is. Man, have I been foolish? Have I been silly? He came to himself. And he looked at himself when he realized what was under his fingernails. And he realized he was hungry that he would have eaten the stuff that the pigs were, were eating. He realized, what in the world am I doing? And he found himself longing. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Take this filth out of underneath my fingernails and ah, let me clean myself up here. Now, if you don't know what happened, he did just that. And he went back to his father and his father saw him. And he ran to him, of course. Ran to him and welcomed him back. Love and joy was there. Uh, Saints, God doesn't mind our longing for good things. In fact, he wants you to long. Even If you're in a great situation, man, still, long for good things. If you find yourself in a bad situation, if you find yourself in a place where you are not in fellowship with the Lord as you should be, man, long for him. Long for him and reach out to him because that's exactly what he's intending you to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 9, Paul had written, uh, well, if you, some time ago we did a long study on 1 Corinthians, so you know there were some scathing things that were in 1 Corinthians that Paul spoke to this, well, this kind of lazy church, this misguided church, this arrogant church, a bunch of other things we could say about the church there in Corinth. He wrote that letter. And then we see some of the repercussions and some of the, not fallout, but some of the profit that came from it in the second letter that he wrote to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. They were in a bad way and they needed to hear it. And so Paul told them, and look what happened. He says, now I rejoice. Not that you were made sorry by my letter. He wrote, he wrote the letter and they, they felt sorry for it and they, they felt sorrow. And he says, but your sorrow led to repentance. There's our word. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. If you skip down to verse 10, it says that that sorrow brought vehement desire, a longing, a desire that was more than just wistful. It was something that was 
deep, deep set within them, and they recognized we have been off the way. And man, do you remember? Do you remember what it was to be near him? Or if they hadn't perhaps been so close, there was still that new creation was pushing them, saying, There's more to be had. And I long for this. I desire this much more. It's an eternal desire. It's something that reaches into the realms of heaven that nothing on this earth is going to satisfy. The new creation deals with such things. And the new creation, well, it can burn within us. Make that longing, man, really smart. Make it really sting even, and even ache to us. And so these ones, they did. They longed to not be in that spiritual drought that they were in. They wanted to be restored and saints. That's a good thing. It's a purposeful thing. It was a God thing. He wanted that for them. So, if you find yourself in a bad place, you find yourself outside of fellowship, or at least the closest fellowship, closer fellowship that you would want, that the Lord would want, and you find yourself longing for the things of old, understand that's a good thing. And we'll talk about what to do with that here in just a moment. Because there's a third scenario. Um, Well, it's one of those, well, let me just say it this way. It's when we long for the wrong thing. We might be in a good place, but we desire and long what isn't good. To long for what isn't right, isn't godly. I mentioned that there are those kind of sweet times when we think about the old days or think about the old things or something that we might have taken part in back in you know, times past. And those are sweet times. But there are also times where it's not sweet, it's not nostalgic, it's not right, it's not godly to sit in desire, uh, long for something. If something has ever come between you and the Lord, if something has ever caused you hurt or caused Him hurt, more importantly, if anything has ever been something that is clear in Scripture, this is not for my people, then let me just make quite plain, and I think we can all agree, and we all would agree, Those things are not things that we are to long for. Not things that we are to desire. Not things that we are to set our mind on. When we're setting our mind on things above, not on things below. Things that are below can also just be things that are low. Not just the things out that I say, you know, kind of ambiguous and kind of, you know, they can be those weights that beset us. We don't want to set our mind, obviously, on the things that are base and low. And the things that the world would... Ah, sit and hang under our nose and want us to partake in. If it is ever threatened to come between you and the Lord and His will for you, those things need to be set aside and never be pined for at all. And I think that perhaps what is even sadder than finding ourselves in a bad situation and regretting making a bad decision or bad decisions and longing for the things that were once good is being in a decent situation regretting that we have made Choices to put ourselves in a good situation and longing for the things that would take us outside of that. When God has blessed us, has encouraged us, has fed us, has grown us, has nourished us, and we find ourselves longing for what we once had outside of that blessing. That sounds absolutely impossible when you kind of put it that way. No, well, we wouldn't do that. You know, you're good with the Lord. Why would I desire anything outside? Oh, Scripture tells us all kinds of examples. Humans are going to human. In Colossians 4.14, naturally speaking, the prodigal had it pretty good, didn't he? The prodigal son had it pretty good. And he decided, I want something outside. I want something else. I'm going to go something further. Um, There are others. 
This man was close to Paul, a man named Demas. Colossians 4.14 says what? Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Okay, got it. Demas greets you. He's there with Paul. Paul says, Demas says hi. That means he's close. Philemon 23 and 24. He tells Philemon, Paul does, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. And then he describes these ones. My fellow laborers, those ones who have been close, who have been working along with him, shared in faith, shared in the ministry, shared in travels, shared in all of those things as Paul labored in the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to hero worship Paul, but I sure appreciate his ministry. I don't hero worship those pastors that have gone before and those teachers who have taught me, but I sure appreciate their ministry and I have valued my time that I have had learning from those different ones. I haven't seen Norton Rainey for some years. Man, I miss him. He went home to be with the Lord, and I miss him. I value what I learned from Norton. I value what I learned from Doug in my times there. I enjoy having Brother David come up and teach like the days of old when he comes up and he does his Sunday school. I value these ones, and they've helped me to become uh, the man that I have become, for for better or for worse. Now, this man, Demas, he was there next to Paul. Is that a, I don't want to say enviable, because we don't envy as children of God, and we don't covet, right? That's not what we're supposed to do. But was that a choice position for that man, Demas, to be there next to the Apostle Paul? I should say. I should say so. He was given to labor with this one who wrote First and Second Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, all these things that we spend a lifetime studying, funneled into that man, Paul. And Paul was given, they were given in real time to hear him teach that. Not to worship the man, but to appreciate his ministry. To appreciate the word that was coming from this one. Man, Demas, this fellow laborer, what a, what a fantastic opportunity. And surely he valued this. What happened to Demas before it was all said and done? I'm sure most of you probably know. The sadness of 2 Timothy 4.9, be diligent to come to me quickly, he says. Man, that's sad. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Man, that's sad stuff. This one who heard Paul, who heard him speaking these things, who shared in his labors and all of these things. Man, sin, and the flesh, and the enemy, the world, and all the things that are in it. They'll lean on us. Even those ones who are given good, good opportunity, good, good potential for hearing the word and hearing it, I mean, presented as good as it can be presented. It still grabs our attention. We'll still pull on us, the world will, even if our situation is a blessed one. You think that Demas is the only one? Well, he isn't. Uh, I don't think that there's, well, a better example better being in air quotes, you might say, than that man Judas. I mean, if Demas had it good by sitting there and listening to Paul, how good did Judas have it? Judas, that one who betrayed the Lord Jesus, that one who witnessed the works of Jesus as he walked this earth, the one who heard the word straight from the Son of God, the one who saw his teaching, heard his teaching. And I'm even going to go on and say that Judas received the love of Jesus because Jesus loved those ones who were present with him. He heard him talk about love. He ate with him all of these things. All of, in the very presence of the Son of God. And yet, 
He longed for something different. Matthew 26, verse 14, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, he went to the chief priests and said, I think it's important to understand this, okay? The chief priests, I don't know, it doesn't say that they put out signs and said, Wanted Jesus! Call 1-800-444-TIPS. You know, that's not, that's not what they... It doesn't seem that that's what happened. And if it did, well, Judas took them up on it. But it says here, he went to them. He said, what will you give me? What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? It seems as though it was his idea. It was his own offer. What prompted that? What prompted Judas to sit and, and give, give up what he had there with Jesus. Well, he longed for something different. They counted out to him, it says, he goes on, 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. He looked for the time because he longed. He longed to, well, to make this trade. Now, what did he intend to do with that 30 pieces of silver? I don't know. A number of different people I've read, I've heard a number of different people try to painted into this light that Judas was perhaps doing something noble. What if he was poor, you know? What if, what if his family was in a medical need? What if, what if there was something and, you know, make it more sympathetic? I'm not just going to heap stuff on, on Judas. I'm not going to do that. But I will say that we can't forget what Scripture tells us about Judas. It said that he didn't care for the poor. When he jumped on Mary for opening up her her. Well, spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus. He chastised her. It wasn't because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box. And used to take what was put in it. He wasn't, well, he wasn't diming out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver because he had some noble cause that he needed to support. He was a thief. And he was a hypocrite. And he was one who failed miserably. And he was one in a beautiful pristine, choice position, sitting next to the Lord Jesus. Unthinkable that he would want something different, isn't it? Wouldn't it be unthinkable that you would long for something else when you hear the very voice of the Lord Jesus? He longed for something else. It's not unthinkable. It's absolutely, absolutely human. And that's what he did. Saints, where do we fall in this, you know? Here's the for us portion of my notes. Where do we fall on any given day? Well, we might find ourselves content with where we are. Maybe long, longing wistfully for the halcyon days. Maybe just kind of happily thinking of the old times. Longing for when our health was better. Longing for when I could do this a little bit easy. Longing for the days that I couldn't ache so much. But you know what? I'm good. You know, one more day of this ache and pain means one more day closer to Jesus. You know, that's, that's fine. You think about those old days. I wish I could do a backflip still. I wish I could go, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you like to do, liked to do back in the days. But you might find yourself this morning in a bad place. A bad place thinking to yourself, man, I long for those days when Jesus and I were like this. I long for those days when I had that joy. Longing to be right again. Or you might find yourself in a good place, longing to be bad again. If I can just put it that simply. Longing to be wrong. We can find ourselves in any of these places. Longing for something that isn't good for us. Romans chapter 6 and verse 20 just presents the rationale of things. The logic of faithfulness. The logic of 
longing for the right things. Countless folks, a number of us here present, oftentimes, well, we can dismiss logic. Dismiss logic and long for those things that aren't right, that aren't good. Romans chapter 6 and verse 20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You didn't have any obligations to anything. You were deep in sin, weren't a child of God. Didn't matter what you did, quote unquote, good or bad. All of it was bad. You, didn't, you, were, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have when you were free in that regard? What fruit did you have when you were, well, neck deep in sin, buried down? What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed or should be ashamed of? For the end of those things is death, it says. What fruit are you longing for? When, when you who are in a good position, what fruit are you looking for? What are you thinking about that was just so satisfying? That was just so good that just really filled you up and just made things all worthwhile. What fruit are you considering? He, he tells us to leave certain fruits behind because they're no good. They're bad fruit, right? They're bad fruit. And sometimes, well, the natural man of us gets a hankering for bad fruit. I don't know why that is, but it is the flesh that's in us. We might not acknowledge it for a time. We might tuck away that we have that desire. We might tuck away and ignore it. Or we might dwell on that longing. We might feed that longing. We, we, might, well, we might nurture that longing. We might find ourselves just speaking to ourselves as David did in that passage that we read a moment ago. Man, I sure would like to try that again. David, of course, wasn't wishing for something bad. Wasn't wishing for something wrong. But we can find ourselves just kind of wistfully thinking about the not halcyon days, but the bad old days. I sure miss that. I sure wish I was not here doing this, and I could have that freedom that I had in that day. Yeah. You might find yourself with the opportunity to return to such things. Back in First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 18, what did those men do? Those three heard him say that. Again, I don't want to confuse you. I'm not faulting these men at all. But they did break through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. And they said, here, here you go. This is what you were longing for. We have more than enough. More than enough messengers. More than enough, well, ungodly allies, you might say, who are so welcome to hear you whisper wistfully. Silently even. And go off and bring back to you. Bring back to you those things that are not good. Here, this is for you. What do you do then when you have that opportunity? What do you do when you have that opportunity to partake of that bad fruit? Well, we have an example further here. I say do what David did when they brought him what he longed for. So the three broke through. Broke through the camp of the Philistines. Drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, it says in verse 18, but poured it out to the Lord. As I mentioned earlier, David might have longed for that well at Bethlehem for those times with fewer responsibilities and fewer burdens and all the like. But he also knew who brought him to the position that he was in right then as he followed after the heart of God. And he held those old days, good as they might have been in the time, he held them in the appropriate perspective. As the deer pants for the water brooks, Psalm 42 says, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
When shall I come and appear before God? The prodigal gained perspective and he went to his father. He recognized, I have a longing for something pure and good again. I need to go back to my father and see if that's available to me. Judas should have gained perspective in his time. It says that he, well, it said that he regretted, regretted what he felt, threw the 30 pieces of silver down, and he went and hung himself. What should he have done? Well, let me say it this way, and I don't mean to be just snide, but if he'd gone to the cross, he would have seen that Jesus had a pretty good history with thieves, didn't he? The thief that was next to him who had no time to do anything but, no time to clean anything that he'd done, he said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Judas, who was a thief and a betrayer and a sinner and a murderer and all of those things, just as we are in our own flesh, could have recognized then that Jesus offered him salvation, just as he does anybody else. He didn't gain that perspective Saints, in this season of gift-giving, desiring gifts, you will never be wrong for first giving to the Lord what you long for. You have something desiring in your mind. You have something in your heart that you're just, for better or for worse, just wanting so badly. And again, I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about anything. And you just find yourself dwelling on that. Whatever it is good, whatever it is bad. You pour it out before the Lord first and foremost. You pour it out to the Lord and say, Lord, do with this what you want to do with this. So what David did. David said, far be it from me to partake of this thing. And he had his reasons, certainly, but it doesn't say that he said, thank you guys, I appreciate what you did for me. I can't drink this, this is in your honor. No, it says he poured it out to the Lord. Because it was a sacrifice on his part. Saints, if you have ungodly longings in your heart, it's a sacrifice to the Lord to give them up to Him. And what a sacrifice that He values from you. That you would give up those things to Him. You have a godly longing for something? Offer that up to Him as well, and He will make you fruitful. No matter what the situation might be, let Him choose what to do with that longing. He might let you revisit that. He might let you partake of that longing that you have from times past. He might bring it back into your life completely. He's moved different people in different places. He's he's done a whole number of different things in, in different people's lives as they handed that over to Him. He can bring those things back to you. He can give health. He can give you the place that you want to live. He can give you the person that you want to be with. He can give all of those things. Or He might direct you, don't you dare taste that ever again. Don't you partake in that ever again. But whatever the situation might be, when you've offered it and poured it out to Him, He will make it fruitful for you. He will make that struggle worthwhile to you because you gave it to Him to work. He'll cause you to be filled with knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, Colossians 1.9 tells us, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, consistent with the Lord, consistent with that calling that reflects Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 107, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And why should we praise Him? Why should we give Him thanks? He satisfies the longing soul. You can long for a number of different things. The flesh comes in. 
But if you long for the Lord, he'll help you with those things. And he'll satisfy you by putting those things away. He satisfies the longing soul. Even when their longing for him is not first and foremost, he'll teach that longing to take preeminence. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. Saints, no fruit grown from anything but the vine that is the Lord Jesus. None of that fruit that comes from anywhere other than the Lord Jesus is fruit worth longing for. It's bad fruit. Don't long for it. And if you find yourself longing for it, go to Jesus about it. Bring it to the Lord and pour it out before Him and say, Lord, what can I do with this? And you will be pleasantly surprised, perhaps, with the work that He can do in that in satisfying the heart that longs for Him. Be satisfied with the fruit that He gives. Be satisfied with longing for the Lord Jesus first and foremost, and you will be blessed eternally.